I'm so glad you haven't noticed it. You much. know what it is? It might be my old, my own paranoid brain at of the moment. Of course it is. Yeah. Being like I'm fumbling words, I'm fumbling words, I'm fumbling words. Dude, this is a this is we fumble most of the words. We, we fumble the balls, the we fumble the words. We toss we fucking toss hard balls sometimes. <laughs> Went to a went to a party on Saturday, um, and there were a couple guys there who brought their guitars. Well, one guy brought what? his guitar, which is like kind of a lame move. That's at a, a party. Uh, that dude. That is. Let's, whew, baby. But let's. We can talk about. Let's it. talk about that. But my friend who threw the party actually texted me. I was already out in the suburbs, and he was like, "Hey, bring your guitar." And I was like, "Well, I don't have my guitar uh-huh. here. I do have one at my parents' house, but I didn't really want to be you the guy bringing bring this guitar." One, yeah. It was just, it's just whatever. And then, so anyways. Should have you brought know, your acoustic bass. We showed up. Yeah, right? <laughs> Nobody can hear it. Well, I actually, actually it would have been kind of cool to do that. No one could hear it. <laughs> so I get there and like, you know, everyone's partying, whatever. And then like later, you know, this guy breaks his acoustic out. And then Matt's like, uh, my buddy through the party's like, dude, I have one actually in my garage too. And then the other, there was another guy there. Both these guys, like one's more of a guitar player and one's more of like a singer guy. Uh-huh. Both of them are like the full time cover band uh, suburb thing. Oh, no shit. So like this one kid, because I was talking to him before we broke out the guitars and stuff. And he's like, yeah. I was like, what do you do? And he's like, I sing. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I do full time just gigs. Um, I, he's like, I have probably eight hours of music in my head. Oh, my God. Of cover songs. And I'm like, dude. So, you know, we've talked about this and I know we're not like huge into the cover thing and everything. Uh-huh. But I do respect fucking people who can oh. memorize that much music yeah. and just like, and if people want to hear a song, you just fucking play it. Dude, I wish I had that skill. And he comes down and they'll play it like, they'll do the Wrigleyville thing. They'll do like Bub City and River mm-hmm. North. Like, so he had to learn all the country songs for that shit. He's learned, you know, classic rock, yeah. modern shit. I mean, everything. You know, I get, I get it. It's, 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 it can be steady, steady work if you want it to be for sure. And it's like, so, you know, is it, is that better or worse than just like the doldrums of whatever other thing you wouldn't want to be doing? But then, you know, at the same time, I know a lot of people who've gotten caught up in the cover thing and then it's like, you never do the, your own thing, which is then there's no time story of the movie. You don't don't want to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It is true though, man. Cause, uh, if you think about it, like I had a friend, uh, oh, well, Matt Witt, he, uh, his, yeah. his mom worked with someone who's like her best friend at work. Son was in the, um, what's the metal band that always used to play around? Oh, Headbangers Ball. Oh, he was Hairbangers one of, Ball. Hairbangers Ball. Yeah. Thank you. That was the MTV show. Yeah, that's right. He was, he was making like 70 to 80 a year. Fuck yeah, dude. Playing out four times a week. I've seen Hairbangers Ball before. They're for great. Sure. They're great. They, they rock this shit. Did you do a wedding and get paid like 15 grand or dude, something? Dude, that sounds fucking sick. I would do that. Want to start yeah. a wedding band? Maybe I kind of would, but like we'd make it cool. Well, I was hanging out with these guys, and I was like, and then I sang a little bit, you know, just no big deal. You got some pipes. I got some pipes. I think we did uh, "Your Love" by Outfield. That was the the song. What's that? Josie's on a vacation. Oh, far I didn't away. know that was called "Your Love." And then yeah, um, we did that, and then of course they hit the harmony. Dude, that is a really hard, hard song to super sing. Super hard, it's super high. I just wanna use your love. Yeah. yeah. So we did that. I can't sing that song. And they were doing the harms, and they were like, dude, you're really good. And I was like, we should start a fucking wedding band. They're already in bands. They're already in bands. So they were like, no. Dude, let's do it. Here it is, man. Let's do it. Podcast, You're Warm, I'm Warm. Gearbuds Podcast, episode 140. That's right, over the hill. What does that mean? It's a hun- It's over the hill plus 100. Over the hill Over the hill parties are uh, when people is that for turn 40. 40. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Spencer's oh, gifts, bro. Dude, I got to spend more time at the mall. You're right. <laughs> I do too. I'm Henry. That's Dave. What's up? He's sipping his coffee. Coffee. And we are going to make our show. Here it is. Symphony of Corrections reminder. Weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you for listening to this. We love you. Thank you so much. And uh, follow us on the stuff. Instagram, Facebook, subscribe, Spotify, Apple. Email us. Gearbudspodcast at gmail.com. You could have your whatever you want, your, whatever you want us to talk about. We might do it. We might not. Maybe we'll get personal. Ask us a personal question. Ask us. Oh, oh my I'm an open book, man. Dude, don't, dude, don't. We're gonna. I'm gonna scrap this entire outline that I've got in front of me, and we're just gonna get fucking into your personal let's histories. Just, let's just ask each other really personal questions. Really deep questions. Probably that we don't know already. Like. Uh, and thank you again for listening. We just were happy to do this with you and for you. Got some actual updates and freaking corrections to throw in the symphony nice. this week. It's always a good Did week we get when slaughtered? that happens. 
uh dude check it out so we first of all uh last week if you haven't listened go listen if you're into cars like we are because we talked about cars and music stuff and one of the things that we talked about was the cake song the distance i forgot to look that up and i was like oh that song's about a race drive and you're like that song's about a foot race yeah foot race right and i was like i don't know and then i looked up the lyrics dude and let me tell you it's super fucking confusing oh the to the best of my understanding we're both wrong okay i think it's about a horse race oh that makes sense but there are very very clear allusions to car things as well you just made me think of something what's that there's a in the song he goes yeah and there's like a whip crack that's a very horse that's a horse thing thing, dude totally so i think we i think we've corrected we were both wrong great which makes us both best case scenario we also and i and i did a little research on this my friend we were like hey when was the first car stereo put in a car i was thinking about that the other well i thought about it and i looked that shit up do you want to do a little learning what do we got here we go in 1904 well before commercial commercially viable technology for mobile radio was in place american inventor and self-described father of radio lee deforest did a demonstration around a car radio at the 1904 louisiana purchase exposition in st louis but then it was around 1920 Vacuum tubes had the technology had matured to the point where the availability of radio receivers made radio broadcasting viable. Our nerdy listeners might be interested to learn that a technical challenge was that the vacuum tubes and the radio receivers required 50 to 250 volt DC, but car batteries only ran at six. Oh, so they stepped that shit up with a vibrator that, which is a funny thing that I didn't know that they called. I know. Is that right? That's right. Okay. They called it that, that provided a pulsating DC, <laughs> which is also, <laughs> I thought you had a really good, which is also what right I call there, it. Awesome. Dude, I, I wish I literally, I, I had to like make sure and yeah, click through. Sure I pronounce this right. Uh, it could be converted to a higher voltage with a transformer rectified and then filtered to create that higher voltage DC in 1924. Kelly's Motors in Australia installed its first car radio. Australians. Dude, Aussies. The innovators of the automotive world. Who would have thought? I mean, they're running the supercar game. So uh, you're right. Fucking A, man. That's it. Very cool. We're learning. Thanks, Australia. Yeah, thanks. And uh, okay. Keep there. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna tell you this episode's gonna be weird. We've got a whole bunch of stuff in the symphony here. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of gear to talk about. It's a. It's gonna be a weird grab. It's a wild card. And then I and then I sent you a little bit of a letter earlier earlier that I felt was was speaking to a lot of the things that we've been talking sure. about on this show. You might say that if it, there's yeah. been a narrative theme or arc throughout many of these episodes, it has been kind of about this particular thing. So maybe we'll get to that at the end. We'll see. Okay, uh, here we go. I've got a whole bunch of Christmas gifts for our listeners because I've got five free plugins and downloads nice. to share this week, this episode because I th- I really think it's because people are just giving stuff away hornet plugins put out the hornet velvola which is a a really funny word that it's there it's basically a tube uh emulation plugin like Mm -hmm. you run stuff through different all all different types of tubes 6l6 el34 etc etc to like add different types of gain it's like a dirt plugin essentially but specifically built to make it sound like you're cooking it with some hot tubes fuck yeah uh native instruments this is kind of interesting i thought i haven't tried i should add i've i've installed all of these okay only tried one um this is uh, native instruments put out it's called 25 so i guess they they're they've been making plugins and sound stuff for 25 years and it's 25 different it's a plugin for a reactor which is like a or i should say contact which is like their sort of sample player thing uh it has 25 different sounds, one from each year, basically one representing each year of their existence in, in a sound form. So it's like you just scroll, and they're all different types of synthesizers and sounds and, and effects and that sort of wow. thing. So uh, that sounds like a fun thing to scroll through mm-hmm. when you're baked. I would definitely play with that. Uh, Isotope put out Trash 2 for free, which is also a distortion compressor compressor type plug-in uh that uh looks like a lot of fun i watched a video haven't tried it yet this is there are two that i'm actually most excited about and uh, i was actually talking about this one with max earlier a good buddy and former guest uh, arturia gave out a free effect called mellow fi and the and the sort of push on this thing is that it makes anything sound like a mellotron oh so sweet. You, like you play like a 
guitar or a keyboard or whatever through it. It it adds like that warbly, Mm -hmm. yeah, loopy, tapey, lo-fi, destructo, also basically distortion type device thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one. I mean, I I could see using all these. That one I like. I'm excited to actually try. I feel like you could write a whole song with like that effect going on. That'd be so cool. That like warbly with the vocals too. It'd sound really neat. Oh well, maybe we've got a little Gearbuds project. And then finally, this one I've also uh, I've tried, or this is one that I did try, and this is an iPhone download. Mm. It's by a company called Clevgrund, mm-hmm. uh, who I've downloaded some of their stuff before, so I'm on their email list. And this app is called Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L. And I don't know if it's Android. It might be iPhone only. I mean, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I'm just going to bust my phone out yeah. and show you because this app- No, this is a rare rules. one because we never really get cool iPhone downloads. I know, exactly, dude, right? So check this out. You open it up, and it's a shaker app. So Nuh-uh. I've got right now. You can just see it's like egg. It's got shaker, uh, tambourine, and bells. And the reason I like it is because it's really fucking responsive. Check this out. I, I can to, already like, hear you. I want to try to hold it up near the microphone too. Holy shit, man! It's like an actual. Like it works just like an actual shaker. Here, let me do. That's that's the egg. I love that. Here's a shaker. Dude. You can hear like the little. They're like rolling around in there. And then there are different settings that loose, normal, and tight. I've found oh, that like I if like you're, normal if the, the grip most. is tight. Yeah, exactly. Kinda, yeah, Normals it. tend to be where I sit. Tambourine, you know, nothing's going to get the real feeling of a tambourine, but this is pretty good. Don't hit it with your drumsticks. No shit, man. That sounds so fucking legit. And that's free, baby. So I've been having fun. Oh, the, that'll be fun to have just like a little party. They situation got a jingle bell there. in there, dude. The last one on there is the bells. Uh, Why don't I let go me hear right that. back to let me hear that. for a little Christmas bells? Uh, they just call it bells. There it is. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Did you realize that jingle bells is one of the, I guess, three main Christmas songs that doesn't even mention Christmas? It's just basically like a winter song. Yeah, you're right. Interesting. Jingle bells. They rewrote Frosty the Snowman. That wasn't originally. And then uh, what's the other one? It's uh, Winter Wonderland. doesn't say anything about Christmas. It's just about wintertime. It's kind of nice. Yeah, I kind of like that one. Yeah. Um, have you heard the Santa Claus is Coming to Town, the version by Bruce? Uh, Bruce Springsteen. Where he's like, Santa Claus so is Coming to Town. That's the thing is, like, I'm not sure if I've heard it or if I can just imagine exactly what that so sounds like. My wife's obsessed with my Christmas wife. music. She's obsessed. Like, it's on all I'm day. I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. Yeah, it's rough, dude, because there's only really like 20 songs. So you hear them all day. Mm. And that version, he sounds wasted in that recording. Nice. He's just like, <laughs> it's so bad. And it's like a really popular song. He's your messy uncle getting after it. It really is, man, on Christmas night. Dude, I'm loving this episode. Let's keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Like this one, this is a link that you sent me <clears throat> that uh, a recent record was broken in the gear world and that the most expensive bass of all time was just auctioned. And that bass belonged to our buddy, Maka, Paul McCartney, his freaking Wings era. His Yamaha. Yamaha BB bass. What was it? A BB, BB 200 or something? 1200, I think. Oh, the 1200. Perhaps? Yeah. There's a few different models. But yeah, uh, that was weird. Yeah. It was uh, the, the, a charity founded by The Edge, actually, and producer Bob Ezrin called Music Rising. It was for and, you know for them. Cool. Uh, raised over $2 million for the charity. Not this guitar. Uh, the entire auction. Yeah, right. Uh, it's set to, set to go towards New Orleans musicians who have been impacted by COVID-19 pandemic and by Hurricane Ida. Uh, Joan Jett, Lenny Kravitz, Noel Gallagher, Ronnie Woods, Slash, Paul Stanley, Flea, Billy Joe, and awesome. obviously... Uh, Maca all donated instruments, uh, but that yeah, it was his post wheels, uh, post Beatles band Wings. This broke the auction price record for a bass guitar, fetching a rather sizable four hundred seventy-one thousand nine hundred dollars. Previously held by Bill Wyman's bass, which sold for three hundred eighty-four. His Mustang one, right? In twenty twenty, that's right. Mm-hmm. However, this was interesting because uh, Eddie Vedder's Telecaster broke the record as well for most paid for a smashed guitar at auction. But they would not disclose the amount. Oh, really? So we, but we know that the base went for four seventy one. They did two million yeah. total. It was maybe I don't I don't know I don't know what the previous record was. So it's hard well, to I, say. I think I might know. Um, I don't know the amount, but I believe it was the Paul Simeon base. 
Oh, Simonin from Simonin, The Clash? Yes, pardon me. Yeah, from The Clash. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah, because that's a fame. That's on the album. Oh, cover. that that the London Calling bass. Literally. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I think that's oh, sold. Dude, that might be the coolest bass ever in the world. <laughs> even in pieces. Right even in pieces. That's yeah, what I'm I know. saying. I Fuck. Know. Yeah. So I could see that oh. going for a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that. Uh, crazy. You know, yeah. Maca. That's I mean. great. I I don't even. I mean, you think of Rickenbacker, obviously Hoffner. Mm. You don't even think of the Yamaha, but there was a photo of him playing it there. Yeah, the you sent it when you sent it to me. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" I guess I never really paid attention to that, but yeah. it's now that bass. Those are great bases, but you know, and then we were you and I were even talking about this. That one, uh, the, you know, his Hoffner that was stolen. It's like, what would that? I can't even imagine what something like that would sell for. Yeah, well, we were talking about that because we're like, chances are it could just be in some music shop somewhere, and nobody yeah. really knows. You know, maybe the person who stole it passed away, and then some kid got it. Like we know what it's supposed to look like. We know what it looks like. I actually, we don't need to get, maybe we'll come back to this in another sure. episode, but I actually learned a lot about, I could just recommend it. There's a, a great, 5 Watt World makes amazing YouTube videos about different stuff. He did a video re- that recently came out and I should have sent it to you mm-hmm. that just tracked all of the guitars in the Get Back documentary. Oh, wow. And and talked about like, like where they ended up and stuff. It, where the, how they got them, all this sort of shit. And Were they working with Fender? So uh, Don Randall. Uh, who was the like this the marketing guy for Fender at that time was really pushing to get the Beatles to use their Fender gear live because they had always used Fender stuff in the studio but mm-hmm. they'd never actually used it live so he had just met with them like right before Get Back and then that's why that's like all the Silverface amps yep. it's all the like PA. The, the PA stuff um, George's uh, Telecaster came in that same shipment the Rhodes was in the same deal. Right. Uh, they got all that shit from him. That's cool. Right before that. Nice. And, you know, and John was only playing his Epiphone Casino. I mean, they, they, he gets into every single thing there. But, yeah, that, that Hoffner bass is definitely it's definitely somewhere out there in the world. Well, and is that the one it did get stolen after the... Uh, right after Get Back. Yeah, and that's the one with the basement sticker on it. No, the so the one that, that's the replacement for that. The one that got oh. stolen was the earlier, the cavern bass that where the pickups were closer together. Yep, yep. And he, that had been, that bass got refinished at one point Jeez. and then they put the black like weird pick guard thing on there. I know oh, yeah. all sorts of shit about this. You should check it out. Five watt world. Really good. Video. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, here we go. What do we got here? Did you, this, we can just touch on this really quickly. Did you see that Brad Pitt uh, is opening a, a recording studio? No. So how do I not hear about this? Uh, I don't know. But Brad Pitt, uh, along with uh, French pianist composer Jacques Lossier, has reopened or are in the process of reopening Studio Miraval in the south of France, which was a, oh, wow. a supposedly a very famous recording studio that I had never heard of before that was used by Pink Floyd to do The Wall and ACDC and Sting and like all sorts of big time records have been made there. It's been abandoned for the better part of the last 20 years. And then they just like redesigned it and are in the process of reopening that's it. fucking cool and apparently the they're like ever, they've kept as much of it old and like with vintage gear and stuff that they could fix as they could but built a whole new desk designed by uh brad pitt with some other guy like brad pitt's helping design the desk that's going into this freaking studio dude that's so cool maybe yeah. he'll be on the pod we can ask him about building it yeah dude we can give brad, some pointers if you, know? you want to get on GearBuds to push your project you know you're listening out there uh t- tell us about your new digital analog hybrid that uh, you designed uh hit us up bud i guess they also have vintage synth room workstations for sound and video editing a mezzanine overlooking the entire studio a swimming pool and a connected tower where visiting bands and musicians can stay did they say uh historically who's recorded there before it was closed that yeah, that's what I was saying. The Pink Floyd, the Wall. Oh right. Uh, the fucking Sting and the what else did I say? I don't even remember, dude. That's so know. long. I was ago. thinking about Brad Pitt. I you think were thinking about time. his abs. Uh, abs. Oh, ACDC's also been in there. There's been a bunch of stuff cool. done there. So I love that. Freaking Brad Pitt's getting in the there studio go, game. If you go, if you're looking for a studio in the South of France. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, here we go. This is this made me very happy. Uh, Brian Eno recently has weighed in on NFTs. And it's made for some good content, so we're okay. about to talk about it. Uh, he did, he, I guess, he did some interview recently with something called the Crypto Syllabus. Hmm. They asked him why he hasn't himself jumped into this shit, and he goes, uh, "He can't currently see anything worth making in that arena." He then said, uh, <laughs> "Worth making for me implies bringing something into existence that adds value to the world, not just to a bank account." If I had primarily wanted to make money, I would have had a different career as a different kind of person. I probably wouldn't have chosen to be an artist. He goes on. 
NFTs seem NFTs. NFTs seem to me just a way for artists to get a little piece of the action from global capitalism. Our own cute little version of financialization. How sweet. Now artists can, can become little capitalist assholes as well. Right now I mainly see hustlers looking for suckers and lots of bright-eyed artists willing to play the latter role. Fuck yeah. Brian Eno Damn, bringing the dude. freaking NFT heat, dog. Fuck it, man. Oh, he also highlights uh, the environmental cost of NFTs, noting uh, that creating new technology sure. requires huge amounts of energy just, just to demonstrate ownership, and that's insane. And then I looked this up. So this is, I this was not in this article, but I was very curious to learn. I wanted to know who actually owns crypto and who, like, you know, we talk about this as a decentralized currency, and that's something that I support in in sort of a theoretical sure. way. Uh, but I want to I want to know more. So, I, uh, according to a study from the National Bureau of Economic Research, they determined that 0.01 percent of those who hold Bitcoin hold 27 percent of it. Okay. So one one hundredth of people that own Bitcoin own over a quarter of that Bitcoin. Yeah. And then, according to another study from Nature, which is a big publication, they found that just 10 percent of NFT investors completed 85% of all transactions. So basically there are a lot of people, or I should say, there are not that many people that have a huge interest in those things sustaining themselves right? because they have a lot of invested in it and they want the rest of us to invest in it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little, it's a little scary to think that, like we're being told that oh yeah this is decentralized this is like but it kind of it ultimately is, it's, is. it's been centralized yeah. already yeah. it's already happened yep there the, there are a few people that hold most of it already of course there is I mean if you think about it it's like <sighs> that makes sense yeah that that got a that got a BFI grumble from me a <laughs> uh, couple more things I just want to mention first of all we've talked about those Apple tags recently and how much we love them like yeah. the, those little bluetooth devices people are putting them in their cars now people are putting them in cars well and there's been worry that it could be possible to tag someone else and then track Ooh. them oh no so apple has recently put out if you're if you're already an iphone user that's built into your phone within find my iphone you can already like they've got the this functionality built in but now if you're an android user as well there's a free app you can download basically to see if you've got any random trackers on your shoes so uh, it's called apple detect and you just look that up and then nice. it like does a scan and then it'll tell you if like, yeah, you have any of those things around it and, and now you'll know. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Shit. So that's a, that's a GFI Absolutely. Again, off of BFI. And the last thing I've got here for the, for the old uh, long symphony that we got here today is uh, Tinder has this new mode that I wanted to mention that I noticed. Okay. And it's called music mode or maybe it's called Anthem. I don't know. Basically now you can on your Tinder, if like you have this like special version of Tinder when you're swiping and you can set it up yourself, you can have a song play. Dude, it's like the old MySpace. That's exactly what I had on the freaking yeah, outline, dude. It is. It felt fucking like MySpace. It was I so love weird. That. I mean, Oh my God. That's kind of cool. Cause if you're scrolling through and you hear some obscure like metal song that only you would know, you know, you'd be like, Oh, this this Dope. person might be awesome. Exactly. Yeah, that's really uh, cool. They've already had sort of Spotify integration and that sort of thing for a while okay. where you can have like your, you know, your favorite song or some artist that you like or whatever. But like this is now it's like like it's playing it and just like auto lights plays. going. You feel like you're walking into the club no while shit. in the Tinder app and you're flipping through the pictures and like there's the and there's, there's the tune music. and you're going to be and you're going to be more likely to stick around a profile for a little extra long if you, if like, you like the tune the song. Oh, dude, that you rhymed it, and I fucking whiffed. I missed. That's it. all right. I mean, that's what I'm here for, baby. That is what you're here for. So, uh, yeah, if you're a single folk looking to get into the music dating game, Tinder's got you covered. Stepping these it days, up, folks, man. and uh, that is not an ad. Although, uh, if you're listening, call us. <laughs> and speaking of ads, here's my favorite ad that I get to do every week, which is me making up a song melody on the spot from my buddy Dave. And it's going to be trickier because you don't know the doc today. I have no I. Even when I know what it is, I still fuck it up and forget and don't play along like I should. So here we go. Here, here's what we've got today. Today's episode of Dave's Docs. Ooh, that was nice. I felt like that was like a this is not about yeah, uh, I was sitcom. Feeling like the crooner, kind of like the uh, Dean Martin or something like that. Ooh, um, but it's not about Dean. What Martin. do you got? So I watched another. I watched a movie. I watched a movie I that I'm pretty this. excited about. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Dude. I had never heard of this movie until I went to a list of movies about bands because I wanted to see if there's oh. 
more movies about bands. Yes. There's a lot more I haven't seen. So in the future, there might be more Dave's docs that are actually Please. films, bio, biopics or biopics. How do you say it? You know, I always used to say biopic. Biop- biopic? I used to say biopic. And then as I've gotten older, I say biopic. Well, it's one of those two. Yeah. And uh, this is a biopic. By the way, love this. Please do, please do more Great. of these movie, and, movies. And this movies. is, you know, and it's nice because I, I think I was telling last week, you know, just get like, sometimes I get bummed out about like docs because they're so heavy. There's a lot of heavy you know? stuff. Is this a light boy? Oh, yeah. This is a fun one. Ooh. You're going to like it. Have you heard of Nowhere Boy? Yeah, the Beatles one. 2009. I've seen that movie, It's baby. about John Lennon specifically. I've, se- I've seen this, yes. It was fucking excellent. I don't remember it at all. So it's on Hulu. I'm, if you I'm have glad. a Hulu account, you can watch it. Tell us more. Over this Christmas break or New Year's break, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, it's the story of John Lennon as basically, uh, you know, I think he's like 16. Yeah. And it's before he meets any of the guys and, and the guys in the Beatles, I mean. Um, but he does meet them throughout the film. He meets Paul and then he meets George. It's pretty fucking cool. And they're playing in the uh, in the Quarrymen. Dude, we st- have, it's the start of the Quarrymen. We have gone full boomer. Oh, I know. We're, we talk about the Beatles so much, and, and I know. that's okay with me. I know, and I'm sorry. And if you guys are bored, skip ahead five minutes. But I'm, I'm telling you, this is uh, definitely worth watching if you have the Hulu. Why did, why did you like it so much? Because it was, it was cheeky. Mm, um, nice. It, it was dramatic. There's, I will say, there's a lot of like family stuff going on that mm-hmm. I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's a movie, so I don't know the specifics of how real some of this was. I didn't know that he was basically raised by his aunt. And then in the in the movie in the film he kind of reunites with his mother who's like really like a lighthearted younger like you know the aunt is they kind of portray her in the in earlier in the film as like um you know it's very stern mm-hmm. and very serious and his uncle who was he buys him a harmonica right in the beginning or he g- gifts him a harmonica and then his uncle it shows another scene and they're kind of hanging out in John's bedroom just kind of you know horsing around listening to music and he passes away like suddenly Damn. yeah. Um, so then he's kind of being raised by his aunt, who's very serious, very stern. So he goes off and he he sees his mom at the funeral. So he decides that I'm going to go like try to reconnect with my mother through his cousin who knows where the mother lives and all this stuff, which happens to be right down the street from where he's growing hmm. up. So that's kind of twisted, right? Yeah. So then he goes and then they form a relationship. Um, she's got other children, you know, so it's there's a little bit of a back and forth of him, like, you know, kind of having this like lost, like I didn't have a mom type of thing going on. Then he ends up, uh, his mom kind of like, I don't know if she's like, I don't know if they're implying like she was like on drugs or something, but there's a scene where he's trying to get a hold of her and she won't answer. And so he just goes home and then the, the aunt, uh, decides to purchase him his first guitar ever. Mm. But the mom taught him banjo first. And I didn't know that. He knew banjo first. I didn't know that ever was a thing. I mean, again, don't know how accurate this is. So there's a harmonica already. There's There's a harmonica. There's the banjo. And there's the banjo. And then, so the banjo really, she teaches him a couple chords and then they do this kind of fast track, like, um, montage of him, like learning to play banjo. Mm. Then he's getting really good. And then they're like all playing together and stuff like him and the mom. Yeah. It's not a skiffle group. Yep. It was just skiffle band. (laughs) They actually do refer to skiffle a few times in that. Um, so did then he did you keep a skiffle counter? Yeah, I didn't. I think it's three though. Oh, nice. Um, so then he then he gets the guitar. Uh, ironically, from his aunt. Once the mother kind of bails on him, he goes back home with she the aunt. She turns out to be the cool one. She's like, I, you know, let's go pick out a guitar. He, you know, picks out. It's like an old silver tone kind of parlor mm-hmm. looking guitar. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure I could tell they were pretty accurate with the uh, comparing like things from old. Was folk, he was he rocking that in the Quarryman? Yes, absolutely. Um, so he was rocking that. And then they had like another guy on guitar and they had like a washtub bass. Basically, he went to his high school and like in the boys bathroom, they're like, he's like, all right, you're going to be in my band. You're going to be in my band. You've got a bomb shelter like in your backyard. So that's where we're going to rehearse. Like he's just like leading the thing. So I never knew this about John and I you know, don't know how true it is, but he seemed like he was very extremely confident. Um, not like a nerd, really, where I kind of thought maybe he was like a nerd at first or mm. getting bullied and stuff like that. But he really was like this confident kind of popular, Alpha kind, of popular dude. kind of dude. Yeah. Um, I guess when you think, yeah, I mean, he was he, for at least for a while there, you know, he was the band leader. So it makes yeah. him the Beatles. Right. So it kind of Abs- I guess that sort absolutely. of makes sense. Well, all. then he they play their first gig at like this like shitty fair or something like mm-hmm. that. And there's like, you know, 10 people watching and Paul McCartney's there watching. And then he goes up to him after the show and like he gets introduced by one of their mutual friends and he's like, hey, I'm Paul, you know, this and that. And like, you know, he shows him like this riff. He's like jamming on this riff. And John's like, eh, that's fine. You're not going to be in our band. And then they end up hanging out. And like, I don't remember how they like kind of like rekindle their friendship. But then they're just, you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, 
Yeah, man. And then, you know, there's just, uh, there's a lot of stuff I didn't really know about, man. I didn't know, I didn't know Paul McCartney's mother died when he was like 14 years old either. And they talked yeah. about that for a minute in there. So they both had pretty like they had messed up rough childhoods. childhoods. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is definitely some like, you know, once Paul's kind of in the band, there's definitely this like uh, kind of thing where they both kind of want to be the front man mm-hmm. and they're trading songs and they're like, you know, like, oh, it's, you know, John's like, oh, I guess it's the other singer's turn to sing now. And it was real sarcastic, like on stage, you know, and it's just, they always have that little back and forth. A little tension. So, a little creative um, love. And then, you know, it kind of ends with them moving to Hamburg. So that's kind of, so it's just that short they, Then they timeline. go to the cavern, yeah. Yeah, and they don't show any of that or anything. But so fucking cool, man. The acting was phenomenal. Was there anyone in it that I would re- recognize? So I Googled the actors for John, was played by an actor named Aaron Taylor Johnson, who I didn't recognize. Personally, and I and Mandy agreed, he was a little too handsome. Like he okay. was like, like there's a scene where they show him like, you know, uh, with like a really tight shirt. You, he's like bulging out of it. And you're like, oh. all right. I don't know. John Lennon was jacked. When he was like <laughs> 16. So that was a little funny. But he, he really acted like like the, the little mannerisms and like the way he would say things mm-hmm. really, really worked. So the kid's a fucking excellent is it actor. The, wait, is it the kid? Did he play? Was he kick-ass? Yeah, he was in kick-ass. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's him. And then there was uh, the Paul you might recognize played by an actor named Thomas Brody Sangster. And he was in Queen's Gambit. He was the uh, the guy with like he would wear like a cowboy hat or something like that, or kind of like oh the the yeah the the southern chess player dude. Yep. Okay. That, and that's so that's oh, like, right on. Yeah. So like the one she meets when she goes to like New mm-hmm. York and all that. Um, I haven't seen that movie in like a year or that show in a year, so I kind of forget a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I remember that character. I don't remember what he looks like. Yeah. So he didn't really look like Paul so much, but mm-hmm. the acting was spot on. I would say like, and I think they the like those little scenes where like they're like doing little riffs on the guitars. I think that's real. Like, I don't, it looked real. At least they had oh, to memorize. You know how much that bothers yep. me when they don't take. They the didn't time to like do that. zoom out or like you know show a different From angle behind. when he's playing. Not at all. Like they showed them playing and like trying to learn. So you're like, all right, these guys had to learn. You it's know, not Ace Frehley's Asian body double. <laughs> Dude, de- all right. So yeah. what do you got? What give us? What's your what's your total arbitrary ranking? I total arbitrary this. ranking of um, Nowhere Boy 2009 yeah, available um, on Hulu. Hulu. I gave it a solid eight out of ten silver tones. Oh yeah, I mean it was good, man. It was a mm. damn good movie. Eight out of ten. That's that's a pretty high. pretty high praise, especially for a for a film. You know, film, not a documentary style. Exactly. Thing. Wow, I loved it, dude. It was, you know, it, there was there was drama. There was uh, really good acting, but there was also like some pretty like cheeky fun parts in it and stuff. And it's so. like it's almost kind of like a Marvel movie, not for you specifically, but where it's like you're already part of the universe, yep. so it's like you care about like, oh, this is just like an origin story from one of my favorite superheroes. That's exactly what it what it made me think of. Oh so. man, highly recommended. Good job, dude. I I love that. And that was a little curveball, too. I had no idea that was what was Yeah, I almost texted you and I was like, <clears throat> you know, if you want to watch this, but uh, I figured you might have seen it. Though, it's like you're, so. you just bought some like fresh laundry to keep it I will it say sexy I'm disappointed at myself for not ever hearing of this film. Hmm. You know, and yeah. all my days of research and I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I just saw it like right around when it was new. I might have even seen it in the theater and went in one ear out the other. Don't remember a goddamn thing about it. Yeah. Worth watching again. Then, Hell yeah. All right, let's do a little future gear. So we've got a little hodgepodge of some some new stuff that uh, has come out that I'm excited about, or I should say is coming out, because the first thing here, it's close to home, Dave, because it's something that I almost bought for myself, and I was and you and I had been talking about this when I was on a great desk hunt for a while, when oh. I, I decided that I wanted to have like a little micro console. Sure. And the main number one contender that I had actually tried to buy at one point on Reverb, and then I don't know, the, like the order got messed up, and then I, because... I'll, ex- I'll explain, uh, was made by Solid State Logic, SSL, their six console, which is like their little, it's like a shrunk down version of a giant SSL desk, but just with, you know, only a few channels and blah, blah, blah. Okay. My main problem with it was that it was, I, I just kind of wanted two of them. And yeah. so at one point I tried buying two of them because they have it set up where you can sort of integrate them. Right. SSL has announced the big six, which is exactly what I had been asking for. <laughs> now available in one 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 console it's just like a bigger version of it. it's about yeah. the size of that mackie that i sold that 1604 like a you know sort of 16 channel mm-hmm. console perfect but it's so exciting to me because it is almost specifically feature for feature exactly what i wanted by having two of them and, and, and in fact has improved some of these things so i'll Great. get into a little bit now instead of two it's got four Full channels with microphone inputs, preamps, their special super analog, blah, blah, blah. They've added polarity flipping on there now. Um, 
one nice thing too is that everything now on the previous one uh, some of the things you could just plug in regular xlr or quarter inch but most of it were on d sub connectors okay. so like just to save space now everything is on its own either trs or or xlr connector which is cool. also a feature that i wanted um here's a thing that i i, I wasn't specifically looking for and it and I think that it does make it a little bit more expensive, but now that I know about it, I kind of want to try it because now it also has a full 16 channel, 24 bit, 96 kilohertz USB interface. So it not only is it just like the analog mixing console that I want, but it now it also has full digital integration where I, you don't even have it, it's now your interface. You don't have to. I don't. I wouldn't have to use any of my universal audio stuff. Wow, it's all just like built in. I haven't used it, but from everything that I've seen so far, all the videos it's online, be quality stuff. you'd think the SSL, if they're going to do yeah. it, it's going to, it's going to be pretty high quality, but it's 16 channels. So, right. it, which is all, you know, all I could possibly want. It has, it still has the G, uh, the G bus or the G comp bus compressor version on there, but it now added an auto release function. Um, it's got three band EQ on every single channel, uh, a bunch of stereo channels, but you know, at least four mic preamps that you can use at any time. Uh, each channel has compression on it. It also has the listen mic compressor for like the famous Phil Collins. Dude, I can go through all the features. It doesn't matter. I'm super excited about no, it. No, I love it, man. It's got 18 inputs at mix, mix down. And you could still do the thing that I wanted to do before where you could actually integrate it with more. So if that yeah. still isn't enough channels for you, right. you can bring more analog channels in. Uh, I'm super excited Sounds about perfect. it. Sounds perfect. It's pr available for pre-order now. $3,000. So Three? Not not as expensive as one might think damn what, what i thought it was going to be like five or six just because of all the new features and everything exactly uh, it, it's it's not cheap dave but it's still something that i kind of think i might have to because i it's, it's it's exactly what i wanted and now it's available but i've in the meantime have bought this you know giant beautiful universal audio right th thing you're all set up i'm all set up so it's gonna. I don't think that I could rationalize keeping all of the stuff that I have right now and getting that. I would yeah. have to like. I would have to pair back somewhere else. But well, you could own both at one time and then decide what you're going to keep and what you're going to sell. And then I would just keep it. That all seems like a good I'm price. Lazy like I, as hell. I, I feel like something like that. Um, after they're out for a while, I wonder if they'll retain a lot of value on the used market. You know, I would assume they would. They the SSL six has. Yeah. I mean, I was. I was tossing balls on those man and just no one balls. was coming down no yeah. one was coming down on the best deal that i found was someone selling two of them that they bought for like a very specific specific installation had them like racked up together they had thrown away the boxes so they're like we're just going to sell it you know mm -hmm. these two together and then um some i can't remember exactly what happened but for some reason either they backed out of the deal or they never shipped it or something like that but i i had like tried to buy them finally i was like fuck it i'm just gonna do it yeah and uh and then it didn't happen so i don't know what i don't remember but i, th I feel like i've kind of dodged a bullet at this point because i haven't like needed it who's to say that i wouldn't have made cool stuff with it in sure. the meantime but now that this is coming out, the the issue is that it's only available for pre-order, so I don't know exactly when, they when gonna it's even... going to come out. It's kind of the problem. Yeah, and with like shipping and everything, like who knows when it could really be like summer of twenty twenty two or something oh, like that. Might be so waiting. I now have a I have a very very deep itch that I've been trying to scratch with that thing, and it's not going to go away until I got one, Dave. Mm. So. Mm. You wonder though, yeah, like you that that brings up an interesting point when you were talking about uh like would you make something with it just because it's in your in your house, you know, or or in your studio. So, you know, I think if the answer is yes, then anything's worth buying at that point. You Dude, know? that's kind of how I in in a lot of ways I don't need to justify it or rationalize it. We've just got these one lives one life to live here, mm -hmm. but like when I think about the value of gear and that sort of stuff, a lot of it for me is in that spark of creativity it provides when i'm feeling down and if i'm ever feeling in a rut all i need to do is get some cheap new pedal or something like that yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like oh bah, 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 or like throw some new strings on that guitar like i just did like it's yeah if it just do a little a little something gearsy for yourself that's going to spark a little creativity for me any day of the week bud i agree that's our value that's what we're bringing to this world is that spark and that joy i decided i'm going to change the strings on my p bass what just last night holy shit yeah dude hot, that got to throw out the rest of this episode. Red, <laughs> red hot alert what you just reminded me because that looks so beautiful why? and really strong oh i'm just gonna uh are I you was, doing tapies 
No, I've got some long scale um, chromes though that I'm going to throw on there. Diadario chrome round are uh, flats? Uh, flats, super flats. Super like they're like dead, oh. dead flats. Same ones I have on well, my. Well, you jazz have half base. rounds on there. I have half rounds on there now, which I believe is what are still on the Memphis. Okay. Um. So there's a little zingy. Well, and zang. I was playing last night, and I was like, you know, I might just switch these out. Dude, Plus, you I got to put the other ones back on. If yeah, you I'm don't keeping love them. It. I won't throw them out. Plus, I gotta clean up that board, dude. That board is funked. Get up, some gunkies bro. on it. It's there? got gunk. Like I'm gonna have to take like a plastic scraper to yeah. it, like actually get the wax off of it. It's yeah, nasty. I mean, you know, but I love it. That's that is breaking one of Captain Beefheart's ten rules. Of I know. Guitar. I know. You're not supposed to wipe it off. Can't right? wipe the funk off. All right, let's keep this moving, dude. That's a, that is a big bomb to drop on me out of nowhere, though. I feel like I got to process that. Yeah, I was new, I was just strings uh, on a P bass. I mean, bass players live their whole lives without changing their strings. Right, we do, we do. Um, yeah, I don't know. It might I might regret it because I've already got the jazz strung up the same way, and I don't want them to sound too much alike. But they're completely different. They're beasts. different instruments. Yeah, so we'll see. I'll, dude, I'll report sp- back. Speaking of different things, instruments of some sort, this is interesting because this this actually concerns one of our. Our past guests and good friends, Mr. Ben Fulton from Redwish Pedals, they have announced a new project, which is super cool. It is 54 uniquely finished overdrive pedals that pay homage to the 54 lines of Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem, Kublai Khan, or A Vision in a Dream, a Fragment. Whoa. Each pedal, not only does each pedal have custom unique artwork, which looks utterly incredible, by the way. Each pedal is actually hand soldered and signed and made by Ben himself, mm-hmm. and each circuit is slightly different. Oh wow! So we've seen lots of these types of one-off special collabo type pedals where there's limited edition. And there's this special is fifty-four, artwork. one of each, right? Fifty-four pedals, one of each, where the circuits all built on the same right. topology, but it has different each one has different slightly different parts or tweaks or whatever oh, so they man. all sound a little bit different and oh, it's wow. a it's like a multi-stage uh, overdrive thing where there's a if i remember correctly i think there's something cascade or it was maybe a germanium transistor into a fet so it's you can cascade gains and it does sort of like lighter overdrive up to like pretty ripping heavy distortion damn dude uh and ben said that it's something that nobody else has something special something we can treasure i'm into it I Fuck, think, dude. Yeah. I love Red Witch, so uh, each, I'm all over Oh, the it. art was created by New Zealand artist Rachel Ganaway. And uh, like I said, each correspond with a line from the poem. So that's just like... That's just so out there, dude. I love dude, it. Dude, it's kind of like an NFT, except yeah. you get a real fucking thing mm-hmm. that you can use. You can play with it. And and I will add that it is a bit expensive, Dave. How much do you think something like this might cost? I'm well, there's curious. 54 of them. I know how much their pedals go on the used market, just the standard. Right. Like I saw Fuzz God 2 the other day for like 200 bucks, and I was like, geez. Dang. Man. That being said, I'm gonna have to say 800 bucks. Ooh, you Maybe? shot high. I like it. 450. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, it's but they're gonna know, be hard to find, man. I bet that's gonna be. I looked today, and there were still. I think there were still some available. I don't think you get to pick which one you get. Honestly, oh, that's kind of cool though. They're all it's a numbered. Grab bag. But uh, I, th- I, he said that the last one that they did, which wasn't quite as expensive, honestly. But uh, I think that that one sold out in eight minutes. Holy but shit! I, 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 it's it looks to me like you could still buy one. Today. I'm, I'm shocked sure. if there's if they're not all taken, just because that's not very many at all. No, it isn't. Fifty four. Uh, think of the world of pedal collectors. It's like, damn, dude. Right, I wonder which, if they would do a thing where they only sell you one, like kind of like Ferrari. Yeah, like, like if like, someone wanted to buy all fifty four, would he like? They're like, I, no way. You dude. know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say that homeboy would if he if he could just make uh fifty four times four fifty on those pedals. Yeah? I think he'd take it. Yeah. I don't know. I if. I look, listen, Ben. If you're listening, take it, take the money and run, buddy. Take it. Someone life o- is short. Someone offers it. Let's start it. We'll start a Kickstarter for that. Oh, by the way, we looked it up and someone did start a GoFundMe for that lady's. Uh, I couldn't find anything. So I'm, you found something. I found two that's. I couldn't. It looked like maybe they'd been pulled down. I don't know what the deal is, but we did not. We did not originate this idea. Someone else has, has yes. already been trying to figure. The this word out, is out. So though. The, the word is out. out. Yeah. If you if you Google his name, uh, that is like the first thing that pops up right now. So. He's he's getting it. He's Good. getting it, Good. dude. This is. I thought this was very interesting. This is this is kind of, in some ways, the definition of future gear, but some ways the opposite. Because Tascam has announced that they are now going to start making cassette tapes again. Specifically, the types of cassette tapes one uses within one of their you know four track, multi track, you know, uh, what am I thinking? Porta Studio, yeah, right, style deals. Great. 
Isn't that wild? Yeah. This is 2021, about to be 2022. And Tascam is 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 the, the revive in the cassette tape manufacturing process. I mean, if you think about how the value of those has gone up, yeah. I mean, in most cases. It's hard to find them. Especially a nice clean The right one. ones. Um, my question is, yes. if there was a way to record to the tape, but then export it with the tape signal into your computer so you could, you know, so you were able to kind of. Oh, absolutely, buddy. Yeah, oh, right. definitely. That's got to be. That's the move. Yeah. That's why people do stuff like that. You, you get a little of that crunchy, low-finest, and then you throw drums. that shit back yeah. in. Uh, they're, they're, so they're remaking the 424 Studio Master High Bias Type 2 cassette, and I saw a picture of it, and it looks exactly like what you think with the big, weird yellow spindle on the inside. Hell it's yeah, like dude. hardcore. Uh, it's, uh, they're, they're saying that it isn't exactly a perfect match to the original. Uh, it's using existing magnetic oxides to produce tape that's as close as possible to the material that Porta Studios were meant to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but recorder owners may still have to do some quote fine tuning to adjust for 2021 era cassettes. Mm. I also learned, I had no idea about this. So in order to make tapes, you got to use something called gamma ferric oxide. And there, like many other things has been a worldwide shortage of that shit Mm. for years now. Although it seems like that predates the the pandemic. There's only one factory that still makes gamma ferric oxide, which is, I guess, no shit necessary to make magnetic tape. I had no idea. So that's that's part. So they're back part in of business. They're baby. back in biz. Uh, Tascam's getting it moving. This was something I was going to get into, and then I forgot to do some notes on it. So, <laughs> fuck it, dude. What is it? Can we talk about it? No, because I don't know the details yet. Oh, but okay. this that's fine because you know what? We still have, I guess, sort of like the main beefer mm-hmm. that we talked about uh, a little bit earlier. We didn't really talk about, but we we sort of mentioned earlier. And this was a letter that was written by a gentleman named Brian T. Majeski. Which is a great name, by great the way. Name. Majeski. Love it. Very strong. And he is the editor of Music Trades, which is probably the most, I guess, respected publication in dealing specifically with matters of the economics of the music gear market, MI, the the, the movers and shakers, the buyers and sellers in that world, the economic trends, trends yep. et cetera. Sure. And so this was essentially an open letter where he details a lot of, oh, I bet that, I, I hope that doesn't, but I bet that added a little crackle when my heat kicked in. Oh. It's a bummer. Um, basically, here's the idea. The guitar industry, we've seen this huge boom over the pandemic. We've talked about that mm-hmm. ooh, as I punch my microphone. Almost ad nauseum Home recording, on show. modeling amps. Right, exactly. Especially during the pandemic, people bought a bunch of guitars. They, you know, Fenders reported record growth. Retailers are having a hard time keeping instruments in stock. What's what's the deal? Is this sustainable? And I think that's a very interesting question because while we're seeing it's still happening, we're still in the freaking pandemic. Numbers are going up everywhere. People should stay home as much as possible right now. Like people want guitars, especially with the holiday season. I mean, I talked to my good buddies at Chicago Music Exchange, and you know, they it's not like to talk specific figures, but they've given me nothing but hugely positive remarks in terms of how much. They just haven't been able to keep guitars in the store. People yeah. really want guitars right now. Right. But the question is, is this going to create a bubble? Does, is it going to be something negative for the future? And I'm happy to say that according to Brian T. Majeski, editor of Music Trades, he doesn't seem to think so. Really? He thinks that it's actually nothing but blue skies for a while. Because we, we talked about this a little bit mm-hmm. a, few, a few weeks ago. We have. And we were saying there, there absolutely will be a bubble and absolutely things will, will go in a different direction at some point. Here's the thesis of this letter that he wrote. Will the demand for guitars collapse when the pandemic subsides and life returns to a more normal rhythm? And I'm happy to say that according to this expert, he doesn't seem to think so, man. And he gave a lot of reasons why, and we're going to get into them. I know you read it too. Yeah. Uh, so basically, this is this was something that I, di- I definitely didn't know. In the decade leading up to the COVID outbreak in 2020, so in the decade before 2000 to, or, or I'm sorry, 2010 to 2020, sure. Music products revenues advanced at an annual rate of 4%, which actually outpaces the larger U.S. economy. So leading up to even before the pandemic, things were pretty sunny, I yeah. guess. And 4% isn't massive, but it outpaces what our global or our, our national economy looks like. Sure. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I didn't know that, man. I, I, I knew I knew it was going up, but yeah, I didn't know it was 4%. I didn't, I didn't know that it was so good. Uh, acoustic guitar imports for the first half of 2021 came in just under 1 million units, which is insane. First half of 2021, six months, we imported just under 1 million acoustic guitars, the US. 
Jeez. Which is 35% higher than any six-month period over the last 10 years. So that's that's a lot of acoustic guitars. And, and we wouldn't be importing them if there wasn't such a huge demand for it. And we could assume if they're imported, then these are, you know, uh, I would say affordable guitars. You know, for Usually, the most part. yeah. Right. And during that same time frame, electric guitars were ju- also just under a million at 965,000 units. Jeez. Which is a, a 35% gain over historic. So thir- each one of those had 35% gains over historic averages. Yeah. One million in a six-month period of this year, which is a l- two. So two million total guitars imported. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of instruments. Uh, he said there's a reason to believe that increases in guitar usage will persist post-pandemic. As a point of comparison, and this is, dude, we've got to we've got to bring a full boomer circle here because <laughs> this is what we do on this show. He examined the guitar's growth across the 1950s and 60s, which was the folk boom, followed by the all-conquering dominance of the Beatles. Right, Beatles mania. So instruments sold like freaking hotcakes during this period. While sales peaked in 1971, those who stuck with the instrument would continue to feed the industry because, and I think you know where I'm going with this, freaking dads buy guitars yep and so as they get old as you stick with it you buy more and you buy that high-end stuff you can as well it, as all yeah. the amps and the pedals and yep. freaking straps with your favorite flame top on it or whatever so it I, the point is like all even if which is is bound to happen even if that those two million guitars that were imported yeah don't fully land to the point that they're creating lifelong players sure those are those guitars are going to end up back up on the used market to your Absolutely. previous point but then also many of those players will stick with it for the rest of their lives and they're the ones that then f- keep this industry keep afloat by going. keep by spending ridiculous amounts of money right. on like two rock amps and flame yeah. top prs's and whatever sure 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 that makes sense so the, he said that the impact of the decline in first time buyers post beatles um was actually the closure in this i think kind of makes our point of some of the producers of the low cost high volume stuff such as harmony and k which by the way harmony is now back in business and doing cool stuff uh, and an increase in the prominence of higher end brands across the next decade or so Hmm. so that's if you ever wonder if you want to if you want to if you want to start a high-end this is my advice if you want to start a high-end gear company Mm -hmm. look at what was popular like 20 years ago and then make a really expensive version of that Mm. Whatever, like what would you like? What, whatever, like the I don't know. Whatever like musical trends were ha- maybe like what was happening twenty years ago. Maybe some like rap rock, two thousand yeah, d- uh, turntables, turntables and shit. <laughs> so like, or like seven string guitars. Yeah, like there start you go. like target specifically the debt like the kids that liked corn and shit back then mm-hmm. that can now that stuck with guitar and can now afford fancy guitars. Make them a fancy corn special guitar, and then you'll sell them like hotcakes. Did I send you the seven string Les Paul that I found? Recently? You did not send me. I I have. Do you seen know this. of this? Oh yes. Okay. Oh okay. yeah. I just I thought it was a one-off custom thing. Dude, never... they're they're they looks so weird. Dude, <laughs> there's so... the weird fat necks on the left. But that would be an so example strangely. of you yeah. know maybe uh, combining the two worlds. So Majeski states that a similar slowdown in the entry level and more demand at the high end could come to pass, but he believes that current prospects are brighter than during the post Beatles era. He's saying that it's going to be actually a bigger growth now than what we saw with the freaking Beatles. He cites how the guitar has grown to appeal to a much broader scope when it comes to both age and gender. So it's not just blues dads anymore. Right. Young girls like to play they's, them's, whatever your pronouns are. It's it's forever. The instrument has a wider appeal right now than it yeah. really ever has, which is awesome and is fucking music to my ears what? because I want everyone to, to oh, the, yeah. bigger, the, the bigger the market is the more cool stuff is going to come and out. the more people listen to this show that's okay, um, that's awesome and awesome also was he just talking about guitars or was he because i i could see like you know we talked about this but like midi instruments for example yeah so they they do address i kept the, the notes here mostly about guitar but they're they, he does talk a lot about yeah. synthesizers and keyboard workstation types because i think of modern music now and most of it i mean unless you're a specifically a guitar player most yeah. of it can be made in a studio with a midi totally you know device oh, and, and and i that was kind of what i was expecting to see more yeah. in this letter but it does seem like he really is specifically positive about guitars and one of the other issues though is that and another thing we've talked about a lot because we talk about a lot of stuff on the show cover it they there's a huge shortage in chips so a lot of the synthesizers and keyboards are not available right now as Mm -hmm. much as we would like them to be so other people just like they're like oh guitars are you can make guitars we can you don't need chips in those things let's 
get those out there. And uh, and to add on, I think, um, did you write down about the, I thought it was interesting when he brought up the part about um, like going to work, like commute time mm. where somebody might spend that time in the morning, say we're all working from home, yeah. you know, or a lot of us are. Um, that might continue as well because totally. I think, you know, we've talked about job market stuff and most people now want to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, I know somebody specifically who left their job because they were supposed to go back to the office and they just found a better job where they can work from home. So I think that's Priorities also have shifted, buddy. Right. So that also will back his point that that's if right. people are spending, even if it's that hour where you would have been on the train. Dude, even if it's uh, 15 minutes of that hour. Yeah. Maybe you play, maybe you pick up the guitar in the morning or, or you know, write a song at lunch or something like that. So oh, God, all of this makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. This is very positive. He, he also, also talks about uh, uh, that for many, um, uh, they're now, I mean, and, and this is, I think we sort almost sort of take this for granted, but there are so many more tools for new younger players, mm-hmm. and the tools are so much better. Yeah. Like Fender, Gibson, the quality, they, they all make this stuff for free that you can get now and just download an app or like put, pull it up on your laptop or oh, iPad yeah, or like whatever. Those, uh, like they like put, Fender they teach play, play and all that shit, yep. dude. Like. If you want to learn to play guitar, you ha- it is so it is much easier right now than it has ever been, and free and and the and, and I've looked at a lot of this stuff, dude, and it's all really well made. Like you could be you could get good get good playing through that Fender app. Cappy yeah. Cappy, who's been playing for a long time, yeah. he's been using the Fender app. Has and he? he he feel like he told me he feels like he's made some growth via that. I'm sort sure of thing. he has. And yeah. not to for- mention, I mean, can you imagine, dude? If YouTube existed when you and I were oh, getting into dude. playing instruments, oh my god, I, mean, I would have saved so much time. We literally had a pause and rewind button when you're trying to figure out that solo or that part on a song. on a CD, on a CD, not on a, not on like a someone who's like, hey, I'm Johnny Dickhead with the Dick Swingers, and I'm showing you how to play every single lick in every Van Halen song, right? Right, like that. There's so there's it's just wild. so much of that stuff out there. We had tab books too, I guess. Right? We did have those tab books. Well, dude, honestly, <laughs> remember there's another channel that I I found where the he just plays bad tab, and so much of that tab is completely wrong. And it's like, oh, oh, really? Can you imagine? And it'll literally be like, can you imagine having to like try to learn? The one that I saw was Nirvana, and it was like he was it was oh basically God. like he was playing a Rush song, like the way that it was tabbed out. Yeah. It was like so it was like a prog sort of thing yeah and he's like i can you imagine being a kid listening to nirvana and then like trying to actually play this tab <laughs> it was so bad so wow. I, I would love to, that would be fun i've got a bunch of my old tab books to, still we to should see, see if, if that, there's like, any accurate. bad tab in there yeah i mean that was the thing i i think i played along with the tab books to the record most of the time but then again my ear was so underdeveloped at the time i was probably playing wrong stuff left and right but that's how you develop it yeah, baby yeah. and you've got a good ear i, I like that ear of yours uh, it's also worth also worth noting i think what this means in an artistic sense so when you think about Beatlemania, it wasn't just like the Screaming Ladies. It was also a bunch of p- people starting bands of that sounded like the Beatles. Yep. So they inspired, I mean, truly some of the most brilliant groundbreaking work of the last however many years. Absolutely. So I think we might, I, I believe that we're going to see some similar things happen with music where now that there are all these guitars out there people are going to be playing guitar and putting guitar. no matter what the type of music is it's not going to sound like the beatles but whatever the next great types of music are going to be influenced by the fact that they're now just like a bunch of guitars and houses out there and kids are playing them again yeah yeah that's true makes me this whole this whole thing this whole article made me feel very happy Dave. very positive about the infinite world of music and like it, it can it's still expanding and gear specifically yeah. our little corner of it where yeah. it's like the stuff that the tools that you use to make it are coming back to the tools that we like to use which are old boomer guitar boxes uh so that that makes me think of something what does um, it make you think of well i was asking you so this is why i texted you about that jazz bass that i commented yeah. on today and so somebody was basically they posted a jazz bass in some group on facebook like you know fender jazz what was it and it was a 1974 mocha which is a kind of a rare finish oh, okay thing. yeah um jazz bass maple it, neck yep maple neck four bolt um so it hadn't had the transition Ooh. three bolt yet and it was pretty cool. I've when, did one, they, when did they go to the three ball? Uh, like right around that time, yeah. like 74, 75. So anyways, he posted it and he goes, is this a good price? And it was $4,500. Okay. And I said, honestly. Was it clean? Uh, yeah, it was all original. I could say that. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it wasn't it was super beat up. It had some wear at the top. But anyways, um, I, was, I said, you know, personally, I think it's overpriced. Most people agreed with me, it seemed like. I had one guy, one guy responded to me and said, uh, Said I just sold one. He said it's not overpriced. I just sold mine for three thousand, and I'm sure that seller has some wiggle room. And I'm thinking, 13, did you say forty five hundred? I said yeah. I said fifteen hundred dollars yeah. in wiggle room. Like, what are you talking about? And then somebody, but then what made me think of this whole thing is that the guy somebody disagreed with him and was like, 
dude, we'll see in two years if it's worth that much. So there are people that, you know, like we thought before this article especially came out, that this is going to go back down mm, to a relatively like, saying, sure. affordable. And this is more of a vintage discussion, I exactly, suppose. Exactly, right. But um, we kind of did have a you know a episode about that where... So there are people that definitely think like things will come back to an affordable cost mm-hmm. at some point, too. So yeah. I don't know if that's relevant to, to his article, but it does make me think, you know... Some of this stuff should come down a little bit. It, like, it speaks to the other half of it. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think some of the really, really wild increases we'll see will normalize. But I don't. I mean, maybe not. I mean, it kind of seems like maybe not. If, right. if you're and the, and the and it's only because so many people. I mean, it's and it's why we're here. One of the cool things about playing guitar is like getting to dream about having other guitars and and seeing your favorite players rigs and that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, that's part of the joy of it. So it's if you're getting new players, then then maybe they will sustain this vintage thing and this expensive <laughs> bubble thing. And now right. all of a sudden our instruments are too expensive for us to, 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 have, to anymore. have anymore. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's, that is a cool article. I like the way you explain it. Cause I read it and then I was like, I wanted to hear your take on it. You know, it's, it's like all, it's, dude, all this, all this podcast is, is just news and takes. Yeah. It's our takes, takes and news. Yeah, gear, man. gear takes gear takes that would be, be a better name than gear buds i think gear right, takes. we'll change it we'll change it. We'll we've done it. it once before no big fucking deal dude i know how to do it it's the same feed we still have yeah. the same fucking gear hunks logo on itunes because yeah. i can't figure it out oh yeah that's right so i could dude I, that's this was good such stuff. a fun one yeah i had, I had it, a great time it wasn't too weird jam with you today it wasn't too weird okay good no. I felt like a grab bag to me when I was when I was thinking about it, but I think it's just because it's it's us two rapping. It's always going to be us two. We're just rapping. I think, and you know, we're doing this one a little earlier in the week, so we had two less days of like preparation. That's right. Yeah, before all the the bullshit of the holidays Mm -hmm. uh, is upon us. So, if you've made it this far, we would like to wish you another happy holidays. Even though this will be out after the holidays, and also uh, go make some music.